0: Hello and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm Greg Shear, head of base and precious metals research at J.P. Morgan. Today I'd like to run you through our latest views on both base and precious metals and why we think the precious metals outlook outshines base. If we look at the prices, what we're seeing in precious metals at the moment is is largely a range-bound chop at, at pretty elevated levels for both gold and silver with prices really reflecting each twist and turn in terms of the inflation or economic outlook. However, while we think that this sort of churn could continue until the market gets a bit more certainty on what the Fed's rate hiking plans are, we ultimately think the long-term direction of travel for both gold and silver is higher. Uh, we don't think either of these metals are overpositioned when we look at uh, CFTC data, for instance, we're still seeing very middle of the range net length across money managers, and so we don't think that the market is is really stretched in terms of 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 its potential, even though we're trading at 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 highs here over the last few weeks. Um, what we ultimately think is that, you know, our economists at the moment think that the Fed rate hike from this week is ultimately the last rate hike of this cycle although they do think there is a risk that we do get another hike coming through in June that is not the base case but that is the risk now in my view from a precious metals perspective this is some fine tuning of of the outlook and that could you know that's what's kind of being priced in into these intraday volatility that we're seeing across both gold and silver. But if we step back and take a longer term view on this, we really do think the direction of travel is quite clearly skewed to the upside. Um, If we look at gold, for instance, um, we have seen gold prices rally on average by about 4% in the six months leading up to the first Fed rate cut over the last three cycles. But I think the bigger payoff is really comes is when that initial rate cut begins. Because when we look on the back half of that, on average, gold has increased by another 15% in the six months after that initial rate cut. And so ultimately, while we think we can consolidate here, we do think that um, you know, in the next couple of months as we fine tune this outlook, we do think an eventual rate cutting cycle, whether that be in early or, or even closer to mid 2024 or somewhat earlier as the market is pricing in at the moment, does un- uh, open up and unleash uh, upside on, on both gold and silver. And from our perspective, um, were that rate cutting cycle to become closer into the back half of 23, the targets that we really have uh, when we see that happening is something around uh, nearly $2,200 uh, for gold. Um, so that's a, you know almost another $200 upside from where we're trading at the moment. While well, we see silver prices potentially reaching $28 per ounce, and I think silver, an exceptionally volatile metal here, um, is something that could definitely outperform in this sort of environment similar to what we saw uh, over 2010, 2011. I think more broadly as well, there's also a lot of risk catalysts coming up in the near term. Um, if we think about concerns or investor concerns around the U.S. debt ceiling, um, that is a another catalyst that we could see potential you know potentially a sharper move lower in real yields uh, and that driving gold higher maybe earlier than we expect. So you know when from our perspective any prices approaching 1950 1980 from gold really offer a long-term strategic investor, good entry levels where we see prices uh, you know going over the next say, 12 to 18 months from a, from a gold price perspective. I think the outlook in our view is, is much cloudier on the base metal side. What we see there so far is that, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a more notable slump for, for copper and other metals. And this has come as we're still really seeing some pretty subdued demand and underwhelming demand coming out of China. Um, we saw a pretty marked step lower in the manufacturing PMI, almost three points lower. Uh, in the last print down to contractionary level, so below 50. That in our view highlights uh, a, a sort of a di- dichotomy here in terms of the the overall um, bounce and recovery that we're seeing in, in Chinese uh, economic growth. Um, it is being driven by less metals intensive goods and services. And the thing is, we're seeing that recovery those sharp recoveries in in that consumption side of the economy leading to beats in 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 overall economic growth and so we think that kind of policymakers are not really feeling pressure here to stimulate metals intensive growth which keeps us focused on Chinese demand, which we think will be okay this year, but not great. Um, For instance, we have something around 3% growth in refined copper demand and something around 2.5% growth in, in, in primary aluminum demand. You know, this is well below what a tops down sort of analysis would indicate for, um, you know, for the growth potential, given, given how strong, you know, nearly six and a half percent our our economists see the overall GDP profile in, in China this year. And we're seeing it on the ground too. April should be, the peak season for base metals demand in China. Um, but we've seen order books, we've seen semi, semi-fabricator operating rates really tick lower in the last couple of weeks. And and that's concerning um, because w- what that's telling us is that really Chinese downstream demand is not firing on all cylinders. And I think without China in the market and kind of not being price sensitive or, or selling at the tops of these ranges, it's really hard for us to see a fundamental break higher in, in in copper or aluminum. And so from our perspective, we still think that there is some downside to prices here in the next couple of quarters. Um, from a copper perspective, we think prices trade down towards around $8,200 per ton on average over this quarter. That, that embeds kind of a view here that we dip down towards around $8,000 per ton. From my perspective, that is a price that is low enough that we could see China uh industry restocking and, and view that price as an attractive level to, to support us. Um in aluminum, it's more of a cost support argument. We think you know, demand has been quite weak. Um, we are still seeing some pretty immense risks around supply coming from China, but demand has been weak enough that we saw a very large first quarter surplus that we're, we, we need to sort of work through over the balance of this year. That leaves uh, aluminum prices, in our view, really susceptible to this more macro risk off downwards pressure. Um, we still think that fundamental cost support sits something around $2,000 per tonne. But we do think we are going to probably probe that in the coming months. Um, so we 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 are somewhat uh, a bit more cautious on both the copper and aluminum outlook, just given the the, the economic uncertainty that we see coming through in the very uh, in in the coming quarters. Um, that begins to change for us once we get through this economic uncertainty. But the question really is. And the major uncertainty, which I think is keeping a lot of investors uh, on the sidelines in base and precious metals, or sorry, in base metals specifically, is really what is the the scope and timing and magnitude of the potential upcoming U.S. recession. Um, why I say that is because when we look over historical U.S. recessions, the last six U.S. recessions we've actually seen ex-Chinese demand for both copper and aluminum decline by about 10%. Uh, We don't have that in our balances because we have a very mild US recession, but I think that really illustrates the risk here in the near term that, that some of these metals are pricing in. And, and in our view, really keeps things under under pressure here uh, until we get through uh, to a place where there's much more better certainty in terms of the economic outlook. We're rebounding on the other side of this. Yes, the 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 other side of this, we could see some very sharp price increases for these metals that are tied with the energy transition like copper and aluminum. We just think that you really need to ride an, a near-term wave that, that's going to be lower in the, in the next couple of quarters. So from our perspective, when we think about the long-term in sum, we do think that gold and silver are going to kind of be in this chop in the very near term. We, we kind of want to ignore that though, because we think the ultimate payoff is going to be when we move into that rate cutting cycle and we see upside uh, and the direction of travel for both of those being much higher. On the On the other hand, Gold, uh, copper and aluminum are in a much more subdued demand environment at the moment without Chinese demand really firing on all cylinders. We do think both of them are susceptible to downward pressure around recessionary uncertainty. Thank you for listening to another commodities edition of JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continuing the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, J.P. Morgan, Chase, and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on May 5th, 2023.